0: So you walk into a hotel bathroom, you know, you, you, you've just checked in and, uh, you know, it's fine. You got to pee that, that always happens. But then there's something that I was, I've just, I, I've been, uh, uh, I I've had, I've had two trips this week, kind of back to back. I did the old thing, Brandon, where I managed to go back home for six hours to see my family. Mm. I, I did that sort of situation, which, you know, I don't know. It's, it was good. It was, it was, uh, it was fine. It worked out well. And, um, however, I've had a lot of time to think about the toilet paper roll holder in hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize now you walk into the, the, the hotel room bathroom and I don't feel like there are many other places where you see this, but this happens a lot. It's a plague of hotel bathrooms where they've got the toilet paper up on a roll, but then there's like this thick heavy piece of Chrome that covers the toilet paper roll. Oh yes. I have seen this. Uh And, and, and i always think like who wants that right like obviously this is an instance that we encounter so much in software where i feel like the person who designed that actually never needs to take a shit right like it's someone who has <laughs> never had to use this this stupid device right cuz there you are and let me i mean let me get a little um biological here right like let's 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 do some real talk now i don't know how you are brandon but i feel like there is a large percentage of the population who is holding their hand they're they're holding their hand holding their phone in one hand as as they're on the toilet right and then there's perhaps an expert level where like you can do your toilet paper thing while still holding the phone right because you're in the middle of reading something now i may or may not do this i don't want to get into that but if you have this heavy chrome thing on top of the toilet paper roll that ruins the whole experience right because you got to like you've got to like hold this chrome thing up so you can access the toilet paper and sure The theory might be that like you pull the toilet paper down enough so that you can lift the toilet paper up against this chrome holder and it rips the toilet paper. But typically the hinge on that that chrome thing is light enough that if you were to lift up with the toilet paper, it would lift up the thing and not break the toilet paper. So now you're in this situation where like this is a thing that is vital for pretty much all of humanity, should they choose to be invested in toilet paper culture Um, that everyone uses, hopefully at least once if not multiple times a week. I mean if you're if it's only once a week then you've got problems, right? But you know once a day is sort of what most people aspire to. Um and and then and it's just like totally ruining the flow of this most human of of events, the the using the toilet. And so I feel like I mean it looks good, but it doesn't really like belong in a civilized toilet environment, right? And so inevitably what happens is there usually is the spare toilet paper roll. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I don't want anything to do with this, this chrome flap toilet paper abomination. And I will just get that spare uh, toilet paper roll and just use that manually, so to speak. Right. Not on a roll. I just hold the roll and use it because I just, Mm -hmm. but I always feel bad because I feel like the housekeeper is going to come in and they're going to be like, oh man, the spare roll was all set. And now it's been used. Like, and now I got to deal with that. Right. And so Mm. I just, I don't I don't know if this is like a GDPR thing or like a USB standard thing or maybe an antitrust issue for the SEC. But I feel like we need to go to the hotels, if not the toilet paper roll manufacturers and our interior decorators of the world and say, let's eliminate this stupid chrome thing so that we can kind of advance humanity forward. Your thoughts, Brandon, as you would say.
1: One intriguing topic. I had not given it really any thought till this point, but I now, now I'm deep in on the deep end with you here. It's like, I guess I'm, I'm really coming at it from the perspective of like, well, it would cost more money. Right. Cause the answer to most things are, it's like, well, it's cheaper to do it this way. Right. But like mm, adding mm. this additional toilet paper cover, I would assume incurs a, an additional cost. So my question is like, that's a really good question. Like what, is the purpose like is it uh sanitary like is it? you know i mean i guess you can make some some uh case that like you just whatever it doesn't collect as dust or whatever like i don't know somehow it's just cleaner to have it i, that fe- way, I feel or like is it's it- just,
0: i feel like it's design right because in the hotel room the chrome matches the cr- the, the chrome fittings of the certainly rest of the, the room, certainly right? like agree so i i i mean i'm baffled i just i really So yeah so it's, it's my just my aesthetics fire.
1: you think that's our our guess is it's just yeah. a designer aesthetics and you just want the room to look well and you want while yeah. where possible you would like to, in in the bathroom you want to quote unquote hide the toilet paper which i i guess you know in a yeah in there a, is that in there a fancier that. nice establishment hotel i guess i could see a little bit of where that's going but yeah you're right it just does on the face of it seems to surf. Sort of no purpose and only get in the way. So, fashion would be my only guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. I feel like in when it comes to bathroom-related matters, at least you know, I I don't know outside of the Western world how how things operate. I don't have I don't have much firsthand experience, but it seems like I don't know. I mean, do you think, Brandon? I'm overstating it if if I were to say that I think as a culture we're pretty much over worrying about seeing the toilet paper like i think i think we're cool like we we acknowledge the existence of the toilet paper we don't have to say like you know ladies don't have to go to the powder room anymore they can just be like i gotta go take a shit right like mm-hmm. they like we're cool with it it's okay we're over that 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 part of our our our, our culture no longer exists
1: i feel like this is i don't know i'm um, we'll have to do some searching after the show or something maybe someone will email in like i i bet you there's just a long story about like there was originally a reason it needed to exist. Right. And it could Mm -hmm. be like, I don't know, for all we know, hundreds of years ago or something like that. And then for the most part, that reason has long gone. And now it's just an artifact. It's kind of like what we talk about with, you know, lots, lots of things like nobody, you know, it's clearly not needed. Who has the authority to be like, Hey, just let's stop making them stop making them. Don't put them on anything. Like, you know, you would take, this, it would this, take somebody would have to get excited about solving this problem. Like the, in this case, the hotel, it's probably not even the hotel managers, probably the architect designer of a hotel, right? It has to be like, yeah, it, we're not doing it. And they're like, I have a lot of other things to do. I don't care about this. This is just like, this is the bathroom set. It comes with this, please install it.
0: I, I think, you know, this is, this is, well, one as an advertisement, I think, I think your discussion with uh, Brian Gracely about like, uh, you know, the floppy disk, legacy IT, the smart people getting it wrong, like, this is, it's well worth listening to that, that cloudcast episode and the others. But I think this is, this is when it comes to hotels, this is like the floppy disk of hotels. Like, it's an issue that like, no one cares about. You've got to have a real, as Brian called it, asshole who comes (laughs) in and just makes it their thankless mission to remove this, this, uh, this abomination from uh, hotel bathrooms. And I think, you know, what I, my my new strategic plan uh, for I'm going to I'm going to go talk to my life advisors, my my accountant. Uh, if I had a priest, I would talk to a priest sort of like maybe therapists I, I I'm basically going to have to update my spreadsheet so that after I cash out as as VP of Cables for Apple, because I mean you know
1: that's <laughs> going to be a big you had a good run, right run there. there. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. That my my passion project is not going to be a, a a vineyard or any sort of charity. This is the crusade that I'm going to take on is the elimination of the uh, toilet paper roll flap in uh, in
1: hotel rooms. I like it. I like it. Now Cote, this actually brings us to like a, a interesting thing I saw this week, and I wanted to get your take on it. Is that Amazon has, quote, built a new unit. Now, the headline of this uh, article is Amazon built a new unit to fix uh, crumbling engineering culture, which, of course, like all of these mm. headlines, is, uh, it's kind of um, – well, it is. It's just clickbait. But when you actually go in and read it, what, they, what they've built here is the uh, Amazon Software Builder Experience, the ASBX is the acronym. <laughs> But oh yeah, that part what, was a little, uh, uh, yeah. So I don't know putting aside the acronym, but like I read this and I was like, I was actually like, this actually sounds like a good idea. So I'll just like paraphrase this article was, you know, the develop, the builder community, you know, let's just call them the developers at Amazon feel like it's just taking too complicated. It takes too, it's way too complicated to get stuff built out and deployed. Right. It's the old quote unquote, mm-hmm. like I spend a lot of time doing non, uh, differentiated things. like click buttons instead of writing code and things like that. And I was like, You know, like to to your point about, you know, actually solving this problems, I was like, and this sort of kind of ties back to some of the things that, thanks for the recommendation that, you know, Brian and I were talking about on Cloudcast this week around, well, how do you fix this stuff? So now the fact that they kind of came up with like another team so that there is kind of like the potential, you know, kind of meta. It's like, oh, another team of bureaucracy is going to fix the bureaucracy. So there is that kind of like immediate kind of thing. But on the face of it, I was like, this seems like a good idea. Just a group of people that have gone around are like, okay. You know, just just basic nuts and bolts, like what's taking so long here? What are your problems? Let's see if we can knock out some of these issues and at least, you know, help you so that, you know, get the, the low hanging fruit, the annoying task that you're doing, at least get it out of the way and let's do it. So I actually thought to myself, like, maybe Amazon should be commended for this. They're actually like trying to do something proactively uh, rather than just have everyone complain about it. I don't know. What was your read of this article?
0: Oh no, no, I I agree. I mean, what what was described there was basically, you know, the uh, the 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 evolution of the DevOps team, which now we call platform engineering, right? And the people who build the uh, the centralized infrastructure stack, and also the developer tools, right? And kind of made famous by the uh, I forget what Netflix calls it, but this was always a big Netflix thing is that we have an internal tools department that focuses on developer experience, right? And right. In in true Amazon fashion, they decided to use their own words for it. I guess instead of just <laughs> calling it platform engineering or, or whatever. But yeah, no, I think I actually uh, used uh, a quote from that article in uh, in a presentation that I had today, and because I think I think there's there's you know once I see percentages listed somewhere, I'm like I got to use that. So some at some point, it's like um, there was uh, something like. 30% or, or some survey said that engineers spend 30% of their time on repetitive tasks which you know in SRE speak we would call toil probably right like it's right. maybe what they're getting to and like so i talk all the time with people about like platform engineering and you know like we did the, a little white paper on on finding developer toil and stuff like that and like the the way of using this 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 uh i think now you can use this this leak to memo to basically be like well, one, you could, as, as articles like this want to do, you could be like, ha ha, like, let's make fun of Amazon, right? Which is kind of a, a cheap shot. But really, what I think it's better for is just sort of like uh, digital transformation therapy where you're like, don't worry about it. Even Amazon is not perfect, right? Yeah. Like, and, and if you want to be like Amazon or be like Google, just get your numbers down to 30%, right? Like, And so, like, don't worry about it. If you're spending like 30% of, of your time on toil, That's exactly what got Amazon to where it is now, and you know they want to improve, and you should get down to thirty. But like, it's cool, man. Don't worry; they're not. There, no one does knows exactly what they're doing. No one can do it perfectly.
1: No, I think as I say, I like your nice your thoughts there. And and then, um, you know, one of the other things I like, you know, is it's a lot of times we talk about like all these things that are written in these memos, like every day is day one, and you know the culture of writing, and and you know a lot of times I'm I'm kind of dismissive of a lot of these things, and so. In this case, though, I actually thought it was kind of interesting. It's like, well, one of the things you could say, like a quote unquote day one culture. I don't I don't love that phrase, but I'll just say, like, if you were in a small company, a very new company that doesn't have a lot of bureaucracy, you usually can point out absurd or like very time consuming tasks and get them taken care of. Right. And so in my my thought was like, okay, this is actually a pretty good you know, something to do. Right. I always like to think about that. Like, don't just tell me we're a day one culture, tell me what we're going to do to actually maintain that. And I was like, okay, well they at least have a team that's walking around like metaphorically, of course, like looking at what the problems are and trying to like find people who are like, yeah, point out the obvious thing that we all know needs to be fixed. Tell me about it. And okay, this team in theory will have the, you know, both the expertise as well as the authority to actually fix it. Right. And it's like, okay, that's actually, t- that is something that is different like not every company you're going to work for has that and that actually does tie back to at least keeping the company if you will acting like a smaller more nimble company that's maybe earlier in its founding so it's like okay you know i was like so this whole headline i was like i think the headline writer because as we know that usually the someone else writes the headlines not the actual author but i think in this case the headline writer just got it totally wrong i was like oh this would actually give like i actually think it's the opposite i actually think it's like oh yeah creating a better engineering culture by kind of creating a system where like some problems can be addressed and at least be vent If nothing else, there'll be a little bit of venting and it's like, that seems better than just sort of like pretending it doesn't exist and just like do more with less kind of thing. So, so yeah, yeah. by Amazon, good job, Amazon. And I think, uh, think, go ahead.
0: I I think, I think maybe, maybe we'll see as always, if I remember them, but there's three things what you're saying makes me think one it's, um, just to, to to repeat it, it's a, it's, it's a good, commendable, healthy practice to go through and uh, do this kind of work. And so like to criticize it is kind of like saying like, oh, you know, it, it was leaked through photos that a famous celebrity thought they were like out of shape and overweight. And so now they're on a diet. <laughs> and it's right. like. Yeah. It, it's it's almost like this person realized that they were unhealthy and they decide to change their behaviors to be more healthy isn't that a shocker what a how dare they
1: how dare they do such <laughs> yeah. a crazy thing
0: and then and then too like it's definitely like i mean it was leaked right isn't wasn't that written there that this was i guess they said it was adjustment? i mean i
1: don't yeah i mean i guess i like to me this would be something like i just put right on like i put the slides out so but it, yes technically exa- i guess it was exactly leaked.
0: Yeah, exactly. At this point, I think they should uh, start doing, you know, should start talking about it because it's a very like everyone would be interested in this. And like, I'm pretty sure they would talk about using Amazon technology and thinking. Right. So you could basically be like, you know, not only is here how here, here how Amazon operates, but here's how we've gotten better at operating. And, yeah. You know, yeah,
1: this has like, you know, lambda examples written all over it. It would be like, well, we took like these 10 different things that were taking like 7 billion hours and we wrote 15 lambdas and it's fixed, right? And you'd be like, yep, sounds right. You know, and, like that would be a great the, little ROI study.
0: And then the third thing is like, I, you know, I, I think it is like some internal thing like that that was leaked out. But regardless of the fact, the state, the facts of this, like over the years, I've been like tossing around the theory in my head that whenever there's some like corporate leak, it's actually like a high-level executive who has strategically leaked it. Like there's a few exceptions where like there's some terrible scandal happening and and not obviously, but it would be it would be more understandable where like an individual contributor would leak something. But like there especially when it comes to M&A and maybe even stuff like this where an executive can't be on the record of like talking about something good but they could actually leak it and it would be helpful and then i feel like an MA, and to be clear i have no direct experience with any of this blah 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 disclaimers but like there's a lot of leaks that come out in an, in an mna process that clearly benefit one of the either sides <laughs> right like, yeah. like it's very it's very rare that like in a lot of like business leaking that there isn't a side who benefits from it and acquisitions. And so, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that must be where most of these things come from. And so, again, I don't really know anything about this thing, but like you could imagine that at a high level, and this is kind of like three-dimensional chess thinking, so it's just fun to like dream about when I'm super bored, that some executive was like, God damn, I can't get people to transform and improve. Like I keep trying to get them to stop using those floppy disks and they won't do it. But maybe if I leak that we have this initiative and then the whole world will know about it and then everyone will sort of be forced to do it. Like it, it'll become even more of a priority than the CEO saying that it's a it's an imperative that we have to do. It will actually be like pressure from society, it, you know, our community to actually uh, put these things into place. So that's yeah. my operating theory from now on, that all leaks come from senior executives.
1: I think, well, I think at least a lot of them do. And I think you have a couple of different ones in there. One, you have the humble brag, which is like, hey, I can't tell you what oh, the yeah, numbers yeah. are. I can't tell you what the acquisition price was. And then later on you hear it was like, you know, something enormous. And it's like, well, that clearly came from somebody from the side that, you know, that that was basically, you know, an executive that got bought, right? Wants you to know And then I think what you were talking about there at the end was, you know, sports coaches use this a lot, like for professional sports, it's like, you know, kind of like, if you, oh, kind of like, right. quote unquote, like reaching your team through the media, like, you know, you kind of say something like, you know, we didn't play well today, If we play like that, you know, we're not gonna, uh, whatever, make the championship, or, you know, you know, or people aren't gonna have jobs. And it's just another way to, you know, reach the team, but not do it directly. Now, you can call it passive aggressive, you can call it like, uh, you know, you know, great executive management or leadership, but clearly, that happens a lot, too. So what you're that's what I think you were saying is like, hey, sometimes for executives, it just makes more sense to like kind of reach them through the press. And so it's like maybe, maybe so, but like, I don't even get in this case, like to me, I'm putting this one like right on the slide. I'd be like, I would even tell someone coming to Amazon if I was recruiting, I'd be like, we have a team that does this and it's, yeah. it's great. Like, like we, 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 care about just, improving this. And that would be the whole thing. It's like, we don't just talk about improving. We actually dedicate a team to go out and they do nothing, but look for internal opportunities to improve like that. Does that happen in your current job? Probably not. So I was like, to me, great thing. Mm-hmm. Great job, Amazon, keep it up. You know, now, you know that was it. That did, was finally, did. that's going to take you from a hundred billion to a hundred billion and, and, and one. So there you go. Keep exactly.
0: Do, do coaches actually say, I don't know if people are going to have a job. Are, are there threats of layoffs and, uh, and firing and yeah, uh, like sports are kind of
1: different things. It's like, Hey, you know, if uh quarterback, if he doesn't improve, you know, we just may have to go a different direction. Right. Or something like oh, that. Right, right. That's, you know, it's, it's usually something like that. You know, we may have to make changes, you know, next year, or you know, when the contract comes up, you know, we, we have to kind of look at, all of, we have to look at all of our options. You know, that kind of stuff is how they do it. So they don't, you can't, usually you're not covered right, right, right. that way. It's usually a star player or a player that's like approaching some type of milestone. It's like. You know, if, if he can't get us over the hump, if he keeps making these 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 poor decisions, you know, we, we may have to look at so and so. And then you mentioned the backup quarterback or something. Right. There. Right. Or, or, or you know,
0: they're like, we're going to we're going to uh reduce the 401k matching next year if we yeah. uh, we don't. Yeah. Improve. Sports
1: teams never say that. They absolutely 100 <laughs> percent there's there's never been. Although that would be a great uh, spoof. Maybe that should be one of your TikTok tock spooks where like you come out and like, ah, oh, it didn't go well today. It's like, you know, if this team doesn't improve 401k match going away. It's going away next nah, we're, year. We're we're going to we're going to
0: move to a uh, 6% match down to a 3%. Yeah,
1: HSA, know, uh, HSA uh, match gone, done, you know, you pay for your own flu shots. We're not we're not doing it. We're not <laughs> doing it next year. That would be a fun uh, press conference to give.
0: They they must like like super high-paid sports people, sports people. They must still get 401k stuff and just like look at the match and be like, I I I don't know. I don't know why I'm even looking at this. What What's going on? Well, here? I know
1: most yeah. of the leagues, especially the NFL, they have, uh, it's like an insane, it's like the best 401k you've ever heard. It's like, you know, it's, I think it's a hundred percent dollar for dollar, a dollar all the way to the maximum amount you can put in. So it's like the Ooh. best you could, it's the best you could possibly have it. And so, and then of course they go on to say, well, not everyone takes advantage of it. And you're just like, well, what are you going to do? NFL players, just like the rest of us, I guess they just don't, yeah. they, they don't want to sit in the 401k meeting either. They don't care either. So I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs>
0: Well, well. Speaking of insane valuations, now I don't know much about Figma. May, maybe I was trying to read up on it, but how how much did Adobe buy it for? Was it was it twenty, $20 billion billion
1: dollars? Oh,
0: so much, so much largest. Money. I think
1: private. Uh, as far as I, I think, I believe it's the largest private uh, acquisition ever. So now,
0: now, now. So, what is Figma, Brandon? You must you is must know because you you the... tend to read things.
1: Yeah, it's I've actually used it a little bit and I you know if you're in the design community I think you, you, all the designers you know basically use it but it's basically the collaborative way to essentially design software. So it used to be, you know, people would do like lots of you know, lots of different ways to do it, right? But like so a lot of times you would create the screenshots or the workflows or your screen flows in some one of many Adobe products, mm-hmm. right? You know, you have the Photoshop for like pixel perfect, you know, design and then you had some of their vector graphics for just sort of like kind of like outlining the flow and there's other tools, but Figma came along, basically made this entire thing browser based. So kind of think of it as Google docs, but like on steroids for all the people, things that um, need to be done in design and can all be done collaboratively. So, you know, of course, and I think this is part partially where, you know, we have to always like say, well, the young people coming out, this is how they want to interact and they're only using this. And I will just speak for uh, someone that's not categorized as a young person anymore. It's like, no, no, like we all want to interact this way. So as soon as you start using it, you're like, Oh, this is a (laughs) lot easier. It's a lot easier to use. And, you know, Adobe, of course, like, like, I don't know, creative cloud is almost impenetrable, right? It's just like so hard to understand like what you have to own and what you have to license and what you can use. Like, I mean, it's just difficult, right? I think it's just become difficult over time. So Figma is essentially the new better faster way to do this and it has taken over the design community by storm and it's I would say it's hugely successful so like to me this is one of the simplest things we've ever discussed like why would Adobe buy this because this is going to if you will destroy Adobe right so credit to Adobe they're like they've spent some time trying to compete with it have basically not been able to compete with it so they just like we're gonna overpay for this and I don't even think they're overpaying I think they're just sort of like We have to pay a huge premium, but either we pay the premium now or we face being completely disrupted and go out of business because of Figma. So simple corporate uh, deck to put together. Like you just say to the CEO, either we buy this or we're going out of business and we're not going to have these nice software multiples. So I think the CEO clearly said, great idea, let's buy it. Now with this, I think comes the simplest antitrust case to come across software since I don't even know when, right? Like this, I don't think it ever gets simpler than this. It's like, this is clearly the incumbent buying the startup doing almost the exact same thing. So if there was ever a time to make software antitrust arguments, like I don't think it will ever be simpler than this. Like you can have your own opinion whether or not they should or should not block the acquisition, but like this is it. This company is buying the new company that's trying to replace it. That's all there is to it. I don't like, that's it. There's no, you don't have to have a 25 page memo. You don't need to have like months of hearings. Like you can just vote on that and decide like, <laughs> is it a good idea or is it a bad idea? Like you don't need, there is just not, it's just nothing complicated about it. So I don't know. Kutay, what what What's your take on that?
0: Well, I, I think, I think, you know, if the, uh, well, I, I, I don't know about the, the, the Europe, the EU government seems to be a little more candy when it comes to uh, antitrust, but like, but the U.S. government, I mean, I think if the U.S. government can't figure out how to, like, break up Google and Facebook, they're not going to, like, have the time or the mental capacity to de- to deal with, like, a monopoly in the wireframe production industry. Like, it's just going to, like— I,
1: I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but, like, it doesn't get—like, and like, this is just the simplest version of it. Like, <laughs> the other ones, I think, are more nuanced, right? It's like— Social media companies buying a new thing that isn't necessarily the same, it may have social interactions like that is very nuanced, right? It's hard, it's hard for everyone to understand what all the implications are. And we can even talk a little about YouTube and some of their recent announcements, but like this is just like, I mean, like really for all the senators, like this just takes 30 minutes, it just does. You just try, draw and be like, okay, see one way they draw the boxes like this, right? And then you say on the new one, they draw the boxes like this. And see, th- everyone thinks this new way is better. And this old company wants to buy yeah. it. Like, do you want one way to draw boxes? Do you want all the box drawing to be done with one company? If so, it's okay. If not, then you would say antitrust. That's it. That literally is it. There's nothing else to it. Like you just need one whiteboard and a pen and just two boxes on either side. That's all you have to explain. So you you, so know, I, you, I just, you could. It has to be, like, no one can say they didn't understand it. Like, that's my whole point. You can have any opinion about, like, should or should not go through, but you can't be like, I just didn't see it coming. Who could have saw Figma taking over the design? No, that's all we can see. That's the only thing that can be seen here.
0: And I I think you could even use Creative Suite and Figma to make your illustrations for this presentation, Brandon. That, that You you could, uh, and I that could be part of your
1: that would be fantastic we get like a really good designer in and we just be like okay now do it in adobe now draw it okay now do it in figma and then we'd be like okay now we understand like which one do you want to use do you want and just say at the end like should there be two ways of doing this and everyone doesn't like this old way or should there just allow one way to be to do this and then that's it that's all the entire meeting the entire meeting is just that right yeah
0: yeah i you know i don't know how i feel about about that i see i see the case i see what you're going to but but more importantly, you know we're, I'm always trying to uh innovate and self disrupt the software defined talk <laughs> business, and I think you have just identified another branch of software-defined talk we'll call it the software defined antitrust consultancy and we we would be available for a, a large fee to do a little bit of work to help consult with governments and on, on the the regulator side and the regulated side. So we're gonna we're gonna eat from both ends of the candle, the mixed metaphors. And um I think we could do some consulting around antitrust. And you could subscribe to our our proactive push notification service where we might send you our thoughts again on That's either right. side about right. about what's happening. We're gonna and, call
1: that RSS. Go ahead. Yeah, Go and, on. Just and, subscribe and to, to the feed. To yes. <laughs>
0: To your point, I think in technology, the issue is that you can't rely on the regulators to become aware of when there is an issue. You have they have to be notified somehow of it. And so that could be a service that uh, the summer interns provide is they just scan the news and uh, they they send out notifications. So if anyone's interested in signing up for that, I think the baseline fee is going to be five hundred thousand dollars for an annual subscription and uh, like if it. you want to fund that just uh, email brandon and we will kick off that business you can be a a uh, what do they call it in the software world a design partner you can help <laughs> us co-innovate this business by becoming our first customer
1: I love, it, I love it well we'll keep an eye on it like i will i'm interested uh i don't have a strong opinion i gave up on trying to use adobe myself a long time ago because i'd never <clears> had the <throat> subscription so it's hard to get so it's like but i don't really have any strong feelings. so i'm real interested to see what they ended up doing right so it'll and yeah. this is the only part that i think to me is the antitrust conversation so good luck and it doesn't matter and i actually think no matter what happens like figmas is going to do well so if they don't get the 20 billion now they'll probably just get more money later so it'll be okay
0: yeah yeah i mean it, it'll totally go through it's fine that's that's my that's my off-the-cuff assessment and and then furthermore <laughs> i you know i don't know i mean adobe's uh, market cap went down so maybe it's a good chance for me to like I always, I, had, I always have admired Adobe as a company. Like they, like like on the business side, I like their their tools are. I use Creative Suite here and there, but like, I think they had a little bit of a crisis in their Rich Internet Application days, and they got over it and they were fine, right? Like, but I, I you know, I that's back when I was at Redmunk. Like I remember talking with lots of them, and it was like there was some weird stuff going on with that, but I think they finally accepted it. And, and moved on. And then also, at some point, uh, kind of around that same time, they basically, well, I don't know if this is true. I, I don't know the revenue numbers, but they kind of just like lost the ability to monetize PDF in, in as yeah. much as they could. When uh, when Preview came along and they basically like, maybe this was like a proactive like regulation thing where they are like, uh, I guess we have to make PDF an open standard now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so they, they survived that. Right. And and they kind of adapted and evolved. And I mean, they're they're one of the rare tech companies that is still around and hasn't just become some, you know, PE thing of, of just like cash flow and other stuff. And actually does interesting work that has a good reputation and generally like a good share price for being like I mean, they must be like forty years old now. Oh, I as think a company? at least, yeah. No, totally. Well, no, I, I'm. it's more like 30, right? Because they probably were founded in like the mid 80s. And I'm 43 and was born in the late 70s. So they're not quite 40 yet. <laughs> they're close. Like, they're getting know, to middle age. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there, there's not that many tech companies that are 30 years old that are not, that don't suck. <laughs> Basically, right? And so they're 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 in that handful of companies that are like that. And I mean... I guess it will be interesting to see, like, since this is such a monumental thing, like, what happens over the next two years. But over the past 10 years or the past five years, they've kind of, like, gotten their mojo back. They seem to have a good culture there. Well, and I so think from a corporate standpoint,
1: we'll and from a corporate strategy standpoint, like, this is the thing that we kind of often criticize. Be like, you know, we could easily say, you know, in five years from now, be like, you know, Adobe really missed out. Everything went to Figma. And they had some kind of clone of it, and it never took off. And you know, they we we would say something like, you know, they probably should have just bought Figma in re- retrospect. And it's like, well, they're doing it. They're like, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pay more than we want, and yeah, right, stocks right, right. go down. But like, like to me, like this is like very sound business strategy. And I think the only question will just be what antitrust you know scrutiny it comes under. And I think, and I think if you're them, you just go in, you just make the case, like, hey, listen, you know, this is us, just you know, re-energizing this great portfolio of tools. And then you'd say, well, there's Pixel later and there's like all these other tools that are still out there. And there's plenty of competition. This is just one, you know, one part of the industry. You know, make some case like that and you know, see what the the uh yeah I guess what is uh the senators and antitrust uh regulators decide.
0: Well I, w- I was gonna move on from this, but now you've you've put an interesting scenario in my head, Brandon, which is so what would be if, if we were went to the software defined antitrust consultancy, what would be our thinking about Apple buying Adobe? Is that an antitrust issue or is it not like how does that fit into things?
1: If Apple bought Adobe, I think yeah. I don't think it would be a big deal on the sense from an antitrust standpoint. I'd be like, you know, there's because, so because many. It, it,
0: it feels uh-huh. a lot like an Internet Explorer Windows Microsoft situation.
1: Right, but I think, you know, in the case of Apple, it would just be, you know, it's like, okay, so you'd lose some of Apple's design tools and they'd it, probably become a little bit Mac friend, more Mac-friendly. So if anything, I think you'd say that there'll be opportunities for, you know, if you will, Microsoft or Windows-based design tools to kind of like, I don't know, if you will, come to light more, right? You wouldn't have, you you'd sort of have Apple kind of like doing their, their, their way of doing it, but I think another group of people would come out. And also, too, I think at this point, Adobe's tools, like, like it's already being disrupted by like Figma and others, and there's other. I think if we followed the space. Um, like there's Sketch is another one, uh, that's really yeah. popular. Um, and there's a bunch. So I think there's a bunch of stuff happening here. So I don't. I don't know. I feel like this whole area. Like, uh, I guess maybe if I if I was sitting with the antitrust people, I'd probably say like this whole area. There's a lot of stuff happening. I think there's a lot of competition happening here, and I don't think the fact that Figma gets bought by Adobe, um, if anything, it sort of just means that like. The Adobe pro- old products will just be end of life faster, and frankly, that's better for everyone. Right? It's like we're all tired of this, so let's just move on and let's and the and it will pave the way for something new to come into it. So I don't know. That's maybe more capitalistic view of it, but in this case, I'd be fine with it. I wouldn't have any. All right, all right.
0: So 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 let me run let me run this by you. This uh, you know, here here's a word for you and the listeners. You probably know it, Brandon, but there's this word, Excelsior. Which, which is uh one definition is the the wood shavings that victorians would put into boxes for padding instead of uh, mm-hmm. foam peanuts so to add some some excelsior to this now i i just looked this up on google and according to some site called macrotrends.net the <laughs> okay. uh the adobe's revenue for the the 12 months ending august 31st tw- 2022 was let's see 17.191 billion so let's call it Seventeen billion, right now. So let's see if Apple acquired Adobe, like seventeen billion dollars to a Do- to Apple is nothing, right? I think I think I think uh, according to yeah. Ben Thompson, they make like twenty billion dollars just through the search Google search thing on on the phone, right? It would have and so like to them, yes. Mm-hmm. So so Apple could acquire Adobe and set the price for all of their products to zero and just bundle it with the OS. Just like IE is bundled with with Windows, was bundled with Windows, right? And probably destroy the entire creative app community. Not not community, the vendors, right? And then Apple would be set up to completely own the creative community. Like there would be a few like holdouts who were like, "Oh, I've got to use like Avid or like whatever these wacky video editing things people have." But then it would get down to this conversation of like. So you want me to pay $10,000 per seat for this video editing software or not, <laughs> right? Or, or you could just learn to use Premiere and that would be it. And then, and then you would have that in the photo editing industry, video editing, uh, audio editing. Like Basically, Apple would have like more than good enough tools for free for all of the creative industries. And all of the other vendors in that area would be pretty screwed. Uh, essentially
1: yeah okay i mean possible it could uh, that could everything you just said could happen but i just it doesn't i I mean it doesn't feel like i mean it i also, don't
0: think it makes any sense this, yeah this, this like, i don't like, know why like, like, right
1: what now. does apple get out of doing all of that like they're just like i don't know to me it's just like they don't yeah, make yeah. any more because, money because necessarily like so, was, so here th-
0: hmm. this this is the kind of consultancy advice you would get first we walk you through that scenario and then mm-hmm. we're like then brandon comes and he's like now hold on let's <laughs> let's think this through what does Apple already have? Every single one of those people's money, right? right. They're all, with, with with a few exceptions, like, you know, some people are out there buying, like, the Dell, like, um, not the Power Edges. What's, what's the Dell high-end, like, machines? Like, some people are out there buying the Intel-based, like, huge workstations for their video editing and their CAD cam to, like, do for their fracking and whatever. But, like, pretty much, if you're a creative, you already own lots of Apple devices. Yeah. So, like, really how is Apple going to grow their revenue if they do this, right? They're already cemented in there. They don't need to make this stuff for free. So really there's no reason to worry about this and it would make no sense strategically for, uh, th- maybe this is the advice we give to Apple. It this- makes no sense to acquire Adobe. Don't, uh,
1: don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I think they've, I think they've run that business case a bunch of times and they're like, you know what we'll do We'll just sell more, uh, um, iPhones and uh, AirPods and we'll be fine. We'll just make a lot of money. All right. So All right. That's good. well,
0: well, hopefully, we still have that FreshBooks account, Brandon, so you can send a PO, <laughs> an invoice to Apple for this we'll do. Uh, this advice on the list, on the to do list. Deal. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, speaking of uh, companies trying to cement their importance in the world, it looks like we've got two two big developments in the the collaborative software world. It looks like Zoom is going to get into the email and calendaring world, which you know maybe they'll solve calendaring. That's always a great windmill to try to go fix. And also related, highly related, I think that Slack is working on setting their away status finally which i want to i want to start with the second one i think it's i think the the email and calendaring one might be we can go in more depth there but um have you come across in the slack world is there a web page that lists the meaning of all the little emojis that people put in their status because i don't really know what they all mean i understand Um, that if there's a desert island i don't think desert island means vacation right but i I'm starting to see all these other emojis. and no, but can't I you add your really own?
1: Like, isn't it means. sort of just like uh tribal knowledge amongst your like team? Like people can use, well, like that, each group can use emojis kind of their own way to signify. That's my things. point. That,
0: that's my point is there must be some conventions that are evolving.
1: Cause the desert. Island oh, I'm sure. But I have no idea what they are. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I cannot. Like, I like it when you have to type, I need people to type in the message. Like, yeah, like, like and, I'm out of, and, and, I'm and on I, vacation or something. Like say something textually. That's what, that's what
0: I here. For. Here's. Here's a plea that I want to make to Mark Binioff. Now, I don't want to go like stand in front of uh, Salesforce Tower with like a big sign saying this, but like I feel like if you're going to solve, if you're going to introduce away status in Slack, just make it so that I can log into Office 365 and just copy whatever away status I've set, <laughs> right? Because that, like, a global status icon kind of thing. Yes, and, and 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 like I think if you were to 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 look at it the most the number one, maybe the only away status that corporate people ever set is their outlook, like auto response, right? Like, that is the one that is the most consistently set. So anything else is going to not work, right? So unless you like sync up with that, it doesn't matter, right? So I think that's all they need to do. Slack just needs to say like, uh, we had a uh, we we went up to Redmond. uh, And we had uh, we had a meeting with the uh, the exchange people, and we're basically just going to uh, sync that up. That's all. All you have to do is click this button. And as long as your IT admins have approved it in your Office 365 settings, then uh, it will just always synchronize those two settings.
1: Done. Well, I, right? I thought, like, one of these uh, articles, they, I think they were talking to the the chief product officer now of Slack. And I, I don't know, someone. And they said, they made some kind of comment I thought was interesting. Like, you know, I wish we had never even added the status icon. And, like, maybe that's the solution is, like, because the mm. whole thing is like what you kind of hit on is like the only thing that really matters is like if you're going to be out for a long period of time and I'm and not going to respond that's kind of the only thing you really want to know like that's like important to know but everything else like yes. you know because the whole idea of like especially an outlook where it's like it kind of automatically syncs with your calendar so it's like if you don't have a meeting it'll show you as green but like really like I don't know I don't think of my life that way or my work that way it's like listen cause I'm not in a meeting does not actually mean exactly I want to be interrupted and I'm free to be interrupted because I may be, uh, shocking, like doing something else, it, honestly. And even like, so, it could either be work related or not work, but it's like, you know, it's like, it doesn't like it's that idea like meeting red, everything else green is like, that's not actually how the, like, you know, the world works. Like, it's almost like, if I almost feel like I should be forced to go in there and be like, okay, am I actually available for ad hoc interruptions oh, right now? Yeah. Almost like yeah. in an office, like in an office, uh, we would look around, like we would maybe walk by. And if like, I saw your door closed and you were like deep in thought, like I may not, like I, I would be like, hey, I'm gonna come back later. Like he looks like he's doing something versus, um, but you're like, quote unquote, not in a meeting. And then, but if your door is open and you're kind of like chatting with something about, you know, just having some general conversation, I may interrupt you then. Right. So there's like visual c- clues, that gives you an ascension there. So maybe the whole way, you know, this is sort yeah. of uh, uh, the idea of uh, uh, addition by subtraction is like, maybe we should just take it, take it away. And the idea that you need to know what everybody's status is, like minute by minute, is just a waste of time. I, yeah, I think, I think, I think what we've invented here, I
0: don't know if this exists, but we need to have an emoji. And of course <laughs> you can select, you can select your uh, gender binary, non-binary and your, uh, your your skin color and stuff, but we need an emoji of someone sitting at a desk with their feet up on the desk. And what that, what that signifies is I I'm available, right? Like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing really like nothing. And this person has to be wearing a business suit too to signal that like, (laughs) I am at work. And there is not I'm, I'm, I'm available. Nothing important is going on. So if you want to interrupt me, you can come in and do that. And I think I think you've also hit on something that I think is critical is that all of the the production, the productivity people will advise you that what you should do is block your calendar off, but they have it completely right. wrong. What you should do is the first day on your job, you should go into Outlook and <laughs> highlight the entire day as as busy and right. then say set Recurring. as repeating every day with no <laughs> Until end
1: to the day leave. and then.
0: Well, there's that, but but then uh, you know every week you should go in and say like, oh, I will have these days. Well, I'll have the uh, the feet on the desk emoji. Yeah, right? you have to proactively go in and free up the time. And so I think by just putting it on its head, it's not that you block off your calendar; it's that you open up your calendar when when you're available right. to talk with people. And I think this this is how we're going to uh, get over inflation by unlocking productivity with all the quiet quitting. I like, it. I like going it. On.
1: Well, to use a uh, favorite phrase of Software in my mind, it's like the default should be no interruptions that's the default right because today the default is like not in a meeting you can interrupt me the default is like no no i you cannot interrupt me or please don't only under urgent circumstances and then i will opt into some time that i i'm free to be interrupted as much as i want so that to me is is the key thing now the other thing that i thought was kind of interesting about the slack thing though was uh, separate from the status was this idea that they're going to let you essentially create like a, a little Google doc inside Slack. And I was thinking to myself, like this is a problem I don't think anyone has actually solved. It's sort of like the personal FAQ. It's like everybody mm. at every company gets a certain set of emails that like, hey, like do you, hey, Coach a, do you have uh, this presentation or this or this? Like where's the link to this? And of course it's posted somewhere. And of course none of us, can ever master the internet? like it's impossible it's just there is no solution Ugh. so what i was thinking and there have been many attempts you know wikis you know OneNote, the list goes on and on right but i was thinking to myself I was like well this would be kind of interesting if like if everyone sort of like got in the habit of like the default is like i'm going to look at like i'm going to go to slack or teams and i'm going to click on the icon and then i'm going to see like a little faq a little kote co- faq it's like hey Here's all the stuff that people ask me all the time. And, you know, my most frequent. And like, this is what I'm usually, people are looking for. So like for me, I work as an offering manager. be like, here's all the links to all the offering material that people are often looking for. And it's just like, because you know, because that's like, you've somehow figured out that I'm that person. So now click on this and I'll I'll actually go through and document it. And the way that you get adoption of this is that if you do it enough, if everyone kind of knows, oh, I just go here and I click on it and i can easily see it and more importantly it's very easy for the person to edit like oh i'm getting this question a lot like i can just go right in it just takes me a couple minutes to edit it can't be like a complicated content management system i can't have to send a request to change it to someone else right and so i think that was kind of an interesting idea It's like well could canvas and slack so instead of so this would be my proposal in the product meeting is like let's get rid of status and let's replace it with our personal faq page right and it's sort of like yeah. here's the stuff that I think most people want to know. And before you email or Slack Brandon or whatever, let me take a quick look at his FAQ and see if he's, you know, put that information out there that I kind of like.
0: This, this is a very web two Oh kind of idea. I feel, I feel like I've gone back to 2007 and, and we're solving <laughs> the real problems. And I think that would be great. You know, like, I don't want to, I'm, you know, I'll just say the word wiki, like, like, or, or as you used to say wiki and uh, you know, that, that, that was going to be maybe something you could do. I want to, I'm going to add another layer on top of that, Brandon. I think what we need to do is bring AI chatbot technology to the individual. <laughs> and so what it will do uh, is now it, <laughs> it, it, it will do some machine learning in Slack on like your DMs and your responses to other people. Yeah, like what am what I? Fro- yeah, I like it. Yep. And and it's, it's going to create like the fact and the common responses that you have. And then it's going to do two things. One, it's going to train itself. So that when people DM you or ask you for things, it's going to suggest stuff, you know, it's going to do with machine learning to say like, oh, here's the thing, right? So when people ask for like, hey, Brandon, what's the, uh, where where where's the uh, the McArdle file, right? Like you you worked on that, I think, right? Do you have anything about digital transformation? Yeah, exactly. And, yep. and the bot, and, and it'll do those like three dots that are kind of like gyrating up and down like a teeter totter. And it'll be like, hi, this is Brandon's chat bot. Does this help you? <laughs>
1: I like and it, Doug. You really have bought it. You, you did transcend the uh, the kind of the technology revolutions. You did go from like the web to, uh, because the wiki is the, because that's the answer to the question. It's like, whoever well, we can do a wiki. But it's like, no, it just, like, yes, you're right. It's possible, but no, it, people don't do that. Like, it's no, not. Like, each, so each
0: individual to, needs the chat bot. That's, that's going to Yeah. Solve so the chat
1: problems. bot, like, I don't know, it would be, although I don't know. Sometimes, like, the chat bots are just so hit or miss. Sometimes you use them and, like, they're awesome. And sometimes you're like, I'm talking to a chat bot that's not, ever going to help me and then you just then you're just like on the phone like you put the equivalent of like operator you just keep saying operator operator and then like maybe eventually a human logs yeah. into the chat but i like your idea though i like um and maybe that is maybe that's just for your emails just in general like maybe that's the ai inside your email just like hey listen because i get like i think you get this in Outlook? look it'll send you like a report of like here's the people you talk to the most and things like that um yeah well then, i don't know actually i i
0: th- but I was going to say, go one step further,
1: up. right? Just to be like, here's the stuff you're sending to people the most. Here's all of your links. You know, here's... And yes. it's be like, ah. Oh. You know, it's like... And like, maybe it just creates it for you. It's just sort of like... Like you said, it's sort of like the AI bot, but it just sort of creates a page for you. It's like, hey, here are the links Brandon sends out the most, right? Like, maybe yes. the answer's right here.
0: That would probably be like the most handy thing. I mean, that would be the easiest, simplest 15-minute coding thing is like, well, here are the top 10 things that Brandon sends out would solve the problem. Now... Now, I think I think what we need to be careful of is knowledge workers is I think within three to five years, we would find that the (laughs) chatbots could replace us. They they, like collectively in an organization, they would become so I don't want to say sentient, but they would know responses to things so well that you could just have them talk with each other. And that would satisfy the bureaucracy. It would totally like be able to deal with each other through uh, through automated things. Now. I, I didn't read up on the, uh, like, Zoom's forays into email and calendaring. So what, what's going on there? Are, well, are they, I just this, think we'll quickly get Are they going to solve our problems?
1: Yeah, no, I think, well, because I've been following, uh, and I guess I've brought all of you along with me, on the Zoom thing, right? Remember, Zoom was worth, like, I don't know, more than Exxon, like for, like hundreds of billions of dollars, and we were trying to get them I feel to, like more
0: than Figma, at least. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, we were trying to get them to do something with it, and they tried to acquire, I think, like, some type of- uh, I don't know, some, some kind of company that wasn't all center thing. Call center, that wasn't all that interesting. And they're like, oh, you know, they should buy Discord, whatever. So it turns out what I guess they've been working on internally is they're going to roll out their own email and calendaring product that I think are internally known as Zmail and Zcalendar. And I just want to quickly get on record and be like, no, they're doing it exactly all wrong. It's like email is not broken, right? There's not, you're not going to come in and disrupt email. And it's so entrenched. And the only way you're going to convince me that calendar is a place to get started is if you're gonna somehow make it like network-based. If somehow you literally are going to fix the, the problem we all have of somebody outside my organization wants to schedule a meeting with me and like how do I share free busy time with them and not have it be like, you know, 10 different emails or a doodle or all the other kind of workarounds that we come up with. So I feel like they've completely missed out. Whereas, you know, we just talked about kind of Slack sort of kind of like, you know, doing some different things here. Whereas I think Discord and and Zoom, right? Like that, that feels like the area of innovation, right? So if you're not going to, if you will, necessarily buy Discord, I think you know there's a lot of innovation left, I think, in the whole, let's call it the instant messaging, kind of real-time communication area of like Teams, Slack, and Discord. Like it still hasn't been figured out to me. So and also too, I think it also has like a, a nice network effect. Like so many people. Are now conditioned to like, oh, when they say they're getting on an online meeting, they say Zoom. Well, outside of corporate America, this is obviously schools and you know workplaces of all kinds, workouts, um, all because of the the pandemic. So, like to me, just I just look at it like, oh, this is such a missed opportunity by Zoom, and I feel like they're they're going to go out and release some type of email client that is like feeble to start with that doesn't have all this functionality and we're going to be stuck with another calendaring system so so i'm just disappointed i just feel like if there's if this is all they were going to do then um they should have just stayed on with their zoom online meeting and of course i'm happy to be wrong on this like if they come out and revolutionize uh, because i think the meeting is like hey remember like everyone said webex was bad and that we're gonna build a better version of it and they laughed at us and we're gonna be super successful. I think they're they're telling them that there's the same story in the meeting. And I'm like, no, email's not the same as WebEx. It's not gonna go the way you think it is. So that's, that's I, I to get my prediction on record there.
0: I, I think I think one hopefully you have I don't know if you realize you did this, random, but I think there's a potential that you have closed out the the silliness around email. By basically, I think, correctly stating email is not broken, email as it is now, perfectly fine. We don't need to fix it. It no longer needs to evolve. Everything's cool. And I think, I think maybe if Zoom really wants to go down this route, I to to, to the point that email is not broken. I don't remember the name of the company, but maybe they should just uh, acquire that uh, that thirty seven signals email uh, outfit and see what they can do with that. Right? Yeah. They hate, that that they was hate like email.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey.
0: Yeah, because that was really like the last attempt at innovating email that I think we saw and and maybe if they uh if they got a little more enterprisey which I know the rails people would be a little touchy about but maybe <laughs> if they they brought in some of the cuz that that would be the thing that that I think Zoom could do to an a- anti enterprise person is to be like hey I know you're cool and you don't like EJBs that's fine <laughs> but like we we help we are a daily if not hourly tool that people that people in large organizations use, why don't you just spend a month watching what they do, right? And understanding it. And I feel like, I feel like at that point, the Rails people would be like, oh, now I can empathize with these people. And I would love to innovate something that would help them, right? And then maybe you would get this great confluence of like, some innovative, interesting design people solving an issue, that was, you know, even though email's not broken, I, I think, uh, you know, they 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 could pursue that option. Now that said, maybe what Zoom should, you know, I'm always curious. Shouldn't they just like acquire like Miro or something? Like that seems like a super adjacent thing that is very successful that would have instant synergies with Zoom, right? Like, you know, you would just like there's probably so many people who use like Miro or other whiteboarding things and they do it over Zoom. And so like you would just integrate those things together. And if you had like if you had like Miro integrated into Zoom, then that would pretty much it feels like it would solidify them for a good three years competitively and people wouldn't really be able to come in and uh, mess with them. And then uh, maybe they get that share price back up and they can start as as you advised over the years, buying people with stock when they had the (laughs)
1: chance. That would have been a good idea. Yeah, well, I think you you hit on it. I think we both agree. It's just like they need to go. What makes them good is that they kind of have this network effect going. And that's not technically a network effect, but they they have this online collaboration thing going, right? And it's like that's the place they should keep working, whether it's Miro or Discord. Like, how do I bring big groups of people and let them collaborate together? And it's like, email is not the way to do it like you're not going to do it start somewhere else right and then and then you know kind of just live in the ecosystem but we'll watch them i'm gonna watch it just like we're gonna watch this adobe thing we'll watch the the zoom uh launch i'm sure it'll be very exciting when it comes out and i'm sure we'll have opinions then too well that's
0: i mean to close it out that's the thing like unless you work for these weird companies that i talk with and i've got to down go download like the cisco webex i don't even know what (laughs) like like go-to meeting client i'm I'm sure you encounter that every now and then but like uh you know we all we all see how zoom is doing every day and you know i to to end on a positive segment on a positive note like i do get excited every now and then when i log into zoom and i see kind of like new features they have like you know you can actually like upload a presentation now and you can you can like share a phone screen like they got they got you know, the next thing they need to solve is uh, you've probably encountered this whenever you're on, if you only have one screen, Brandon, yep. and you're going to be presenting, what I want to be able to do is I want to have the presenter view on my local laptop, and then project the, the projected presentation view into zoom, which I think is not possible, right? Like, I, I don't know if that is possible, that will be a game changer. But like, because, you want to have the presenter view because it's got timings and your note in there. But every time you present in Zoom, I feel like you you lose the presentation notes and everything else just because they they haven't figured that out. I guess what they need is a, a virtual second and third display that they break up your display into because then what you would do, yeah, yeah, that's what they need. They need two virtual displays so that your monitor breaks into three different screens and you have the full screen projection of your presentation, right? Then you have another window that's the the virtual screen of your presenter notes. And then you have another window that's just like your regular desktop. So you can fart around and do other stuff while you're doing it. And I think that, I don't know. Buy Miro and do that. Not only are you gonna have three years of uh of corporate stability, I'm gonna give you an extra year. You're gonna have four years of corporate stability. That's gonna be some some innovation. I like all these well, ideas.
1: I think I think Zoom, yeah. we just we've got your roadmap all, all done for you. Get to work, boys. Good. all right, boys well, and, I, I, and girls. Mm-hmm.
0: After you send that invoice to Apple about uh, Adobe, s- send one over to Zoom from uh, from FreshBooks. Tell them it's net fifteen, and uh, you know we we uh, we need to be paid for it. It's love it, I, I, yeah. Well, speaking of innovations and fun things, there there's there's uh, several conferences coming up. I want to highlight, of course, the one that my company is doing our uh, our Spring One uh, conference, which is going to be December and eighth uh, coming up in San Francisco. And it's going to be great. I think we actually, uh, I haven't gotten to verify this, but I believe we posted all of the, uh, the talks that we have. And as you browse through it, you'll see that they're all about software development and basically, you know, Java and .NET things, like actual programming things. But also a lot of the stuff we talk about here, your uh, business IT alignment, and uh, there'll be plenty of uh, operations and Kubernetes talks, but also lots of great case studies from organizations who are actually improving how they do software. So if you go to spring1.io you can check all that out and when you register which I'm sure you'll do you can use the code COTE200 which is C O T E 200 which will yes get you $200 off registration for it <laughs> but you should you should sign up for that uh, as well and you know Brandon as a special niche listener thing my understanding is that we have some sponsorships left so if you want to sponsor the conference I don't know anything about that, but you should contact me and I'll hook you up with people who uh, uh, can talk to you about sponsorship stuff, which which would be fun, uh, I, I, I guess, to do. Booths <laughs> are cool and, and doing things. I, I think maybe it'd be a good place to, to hire people if you were uh, looking for uh, your people who knew about the kind of stuff we were talking about. That's my pitch, Brandon. How did I, how did I do there? Should we uh, put that in a PDF? I like it. Let's
1: ship it. That's good. I'm, I'm registering right now for the the, the 15th time. I'm going to keep, I'm just going to keep doing it. Every time you say it it gets better and better.
0: And, and then also, uh, coming up, uh, let's see next month in, in a little, uh, less than a month, October 13th, Matt will be at the Sydney cloud FinOps meetup, which, you know, if, if you're not a part of our Slack community, which you can, I, I think Heroku hasn't shut down our joining a Slack thing. We might need need to move to Discord just because it will be impossible to have people join No, we have to get no SSH
1: JJ on it. We'll have to get our uh, get it updated. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But if
0: but it but if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack, you can find out how to join our Slack community. And relevant to that, there's actually been a lot of interesting conversation from Matt and others about the practicalities of FinOps and saving money with your Kubernetes instances and over-provisioning and things like that, that I found. There's plenty of snarky conversation in our Slack all the time, but this one seemed actually uh, helpful, Uh, the the, the threads they had there. So you should definitely join the Slack community to talk about that. And then also uh, related later in uh, October, October 24th to 28th is going to be KubeCon North America
1: in Detroit, or as some like to say, Detroit. Uh, And I think Matt's going to be there too, right? Yes, he'll be representing uh, Software Defined Talk. Maybe, you know, we're, we're, we're working on logistics. Maybe it will be some type of get together there yeah. where you can uh, go have, maybe have a drink with Matt, get some stickers from Matt. We'll see.
0: And then finally, all the way back to Texas, the, the call for papers or call for counselors for that conference, which is January 16th and 19th, is uh, still open, unless it's not, but I believe it is. But if you want to check out those conferences, uh, including going to Spring 1 and getting $200 off, You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 378 and uh, find links to them and all the news and stuff we didn't talk about. Do we have any bureaucracy, Brandon?
1: We do. We got a couple things here from uh, some follow-up comments from last week. So Chris wrote in. We were talking last week about... um, if you will, how long it takes for an open source alternative to, if you will, um, be developed once kind of some commercial software has some success. And so the point he made is that he he feels like it's mostly uh, developer focused, that that's most of the time, um, because most of the better products are kind of dev focused. And I think the example he showed up, and funny enough, we kind of talked about today was uh, GIMP versus Photoshop, like GIMP is never really, if you will, become like an equal to Photoshop where lots of developer tools. So I would agree with them. I thought that was a good comment. And it's like, yeah, the open source stuff, uh, the, if you will, the quote unquote good open source stuff or the stuff that's widely adopted, It's probably developer focused. I think we can probably see why. So, so thanks to Chris for writing in. Also, I uh, wanted to say thanks to Levi who I sent, uh, some stickers to, uh, in Garland, Texas. And then, uh, I'm going to say, I think it's a uh, Uvraj in New Delhi, India. I sent um, them some stickers as well. So if you would like a sticker, all you have to do is email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And uh, I think you already mentioned it before, but I was, I'll even put a link here. There's the, the Slack thread you were talking about. If you are a member or if you want to join, it's obviously free. Uh, you can see where Matt Ray really dropping a lot of knowledge on, uh, how to, uh, if you will, save money on spot instances. So I thought that was uh, a very good thread. So so check all of that out. So uh,
0: what do you have to recommend this episode, Brandon?
1: All right. So uh, you already kind of did the plug, but I would always want to, uh, again, thank uh, our friends, uh, Brian, Gracely and Aaron over at the Cloudcast. They uh, had me on for a Sunday conversation. Coach, I got to come on a Sunday conversation episode as one of my favorite uh, episodes that they do. So listen to it. Brian and I talk all about uh, digital transformation uh, and we get some of his thoughts as well. And uh, (laughs) he did use some uh, direct colorful language, but I think he got to the point. So check it out. Also, um, I read uh, this week. A new book. It's called uh, Like, Comment, Subscribe, How YouTube Conquered the World. So it's interesting. It was uh if you're interested into like the narrative nonfiction, uh, check it out. It's basically the history of YouTube. And it seems particularly relevant this week because YouTube is rolling out YouTube Shorts, which is their attempt to compete with TikTok, although they say it in a more complicated way. Um, but it's sort of like a really kind of, if you will, taught me. I guess I would sort of uh if you will condense a bunch of these social network books down to the following kind of story that they tell. It's like First is somebody stumbles into like some massive social media interaction. So you have Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. And while everyone sort of like looks in hindsight that they were obvious, it's never obvious like why that social interaction takes off till it does. So that's sort of phase one. And then phase two is there's a bunch of ideas to try to make money before they settle eyes on advertising. And then stage three is (laughs) building a machine learning model to basically figure out you know, how do you keep people engaged and how do you maximize the money from ads? Right. And then page four is you're basically managing all of the unintended consequences that come from the model. Right. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Like we're promoting videos that maybe aren't educational or or, or maybe they even have false information um, because that's sort of what like we as human beings want. So they, they start to like adjust the model which I think in the end is just about adjusting the weights in the machine learning model you're like oh okay well I'm going to turn down watch time and I'm going to turn up you know the quality filter and vice versa um that seems to be like most of like I, I know I'm oversimplifying it and then in the case of this YouTube book but you can read the same thing from Facebook and others it's like then a whole bunch of you know unintended consequences come up like you know either the wrong kind of content comes up or like it gets disrupted and things like that so it's interesting to kind of see it all. And I do think it kind of comes back to where we started at some of our conversation today around the constant pool and tension between if you, the corporation will always rationalize making more money from advertising. And then the way that we yeah. tend to try to like, you know, deal with that at least here in the United States is like some level of regulation, like for kids shows, you know, you can't have certain advertising. Like when you do Sesame street, you can't advertise certain things. And so there's this constant tension, right? Of like, that's really what's going on between like the social media company trying to make money and like maximize it and then rationalizing certain behaviors and then kind of this fight off of like different types of potential regulation, which may or may not be helpful to kind of do that. So, and I just think it sort of like sets the stage of like probably for the next, you know, 10, 15 years, will like society will just be fighting this out. So this book, like others, kind of tells that entire story. And they just tell you like a bunch of examples of YouTube. They start with like, kind of the very beginning about like no one thought it would make sense all the way through the recent elections here in the United States and all the things that happened in between. So it's a lot of information about that, but those were my takeaways. So check it out if you're interested. Yeah.
0: That that is not interesting. Like it makes me think that there, there there's a huge part of the business world where as you're saying, there's a cycle of like come up with a better mousetrap, figure out distribution for it, right? Kind of and and then figure out like as in the classic words, competitive differentiation, like how how you're not going to be overrun by competitors, but then the rest of your life is basically to oversimplify it, figuring out how to get people to buy more stuff from you <laughs> right and and like like analogously, like what I was thinking is like, you know, I'm sure there's exciting innovation going on in the grocery store market, right? like at some point, this right. idea of like hot bars, like the hot food bar was like a crazy <laughs> idea that that right? people introduced like the self-service, like, you know, go get your own food and, like, even check out and pay for it. But really, it feels like probably a lot of the business growth that a grocery store has is just figuring out what products to put on the end of the aisle, right? And it's just, like, it's totally just, like, figuring out how to get people to buy more stuff or analogously to, like, social stuff, figuring out how to get people to just, like, spend more time on your platform so that they see more ads so that they click on it. There's no real, like innovation going on like you know quantum computing or whatever or or inventing the wheel it's just like how do we uh how do we get people to buy stuff which is is both uh you know if, if i went and dusted off my no logo book and thought in my 90s way like it would be depressing on the other hand to like i don't know that's a fun puzzle to solve seems nice like it, it's a fast feedback loop of mystery that you can uh, run through and entertain yourself with well i have I have two miniature recommendations and one large one. The first one is I'm in a hotel room here, and I haven't fully de- uh, explored it, but I like this phrase: the the soap they have at the Brussels uh, Airport Sheraton. Uh, it, it's labeled as "warm oak," which is a a fragrance uh, description I have never encountered, uh, and and I, I'm I'm warming up to it, so to speak. I like the idea of like whatever warm oak smells like is probably what I want my hand soap to smell like, and maybe even my lotion. And then I, I think I recommended this before, but I started re-listening to uh, this book, A Gentleman in Moscow, which I realize is very much like a, uh, a readable Proust or Proust or whatever. If you ever tried to read Proust or Proust, it's kind of unreadable, but this one has the same satisfaction to it and is very listenable. But then finally, I wanted to give an update on <clears throat> my adventures with the defaults lifestyle. And that is I mean, you know how these things go, Brandon. I never <laughs> like, I never like inescapably commit to something, but I feel like I have made a big strategic decision that I am going to be using Apple Notes. Now I know I've done this oh, before, wow, Wow. Okay. but I, with the, with, the, with the new release, they have enough features. And I did the analysis in my head that really like the difference between using Apple Notes and Bear and definitely Obsidian. I mean, Obsidian is just like the word microsoft word or microsoft excel version of note taking it's just like i i don't need all of this nor do i understand what i'm doing here but like the difference between like let's say ulysses bear evernote and apple notes is very minor like really all you're talking about is that apple notes doesn't have markdown and the only vital missing feature that apple notes doesn't have is on your phone you can't link something on on an iPad I think and on your desktop you can you can create links and text but you can't do that on a phone. So I think Apple Notes is pretty good. I imported all my stuff. It's I I, I don't know. I'm feeling good about it. But <laughs> the the big the big shocker I think Brandon is that not only did I move from OmniFocus to using Things uh for a week, but uh-huh. now I've moved from Things to Apple Reminders. Wow. And I feel like I feel like wow. I've got it figured out, Brandon. I feel like I I have I've taken a razor to my over optimization with the I've taken the defaults lifestyle razor to it and kind of cut out all this stuff that I don't need. And what I have left, I think, is what I need to be successful with keeping up with what's happening. And let me let me make the case just briefly. Now, in reminders, you have folders, right? So I can make a home and a work Mm -hmm. folder. Right. Mm -hmm. And then and then you can make lists of things. So I can make lists of like, for example, I'm here in Brussels for something. So I can make a list of reminders for the things, the project that I have in Brussels, right? I can set dates on it and times, but I think, I think the killer feature is going to be that the rest of my family without even knowing it lives the defaults lifestyle because they only use Apple stuff, right? So they're, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're by default, default lifestyle, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so so you can assign tasks to people, which you could always do in an OmniFocus and Things, but it would be like, yeah. oh, but they have to they have to have the software and be on the same LAN as you. Yeah, you that's not gonna that, work but... for sure. No, no. yeah. But mm-hmm. so
1: basically,
0: I can assign to do items to Kim, and she can assign to do items to me, and it just works, right? Like it's pretty amazing, right? Like you can just you can just share a to do item. Now it's not a Kanban board or anything, right? So we haven't achieved planning your wedding with a Kanban board status or anything like that. But I think we're getting close. I think I think I don't know if my children's generation will be able to achieve that, but maybe my children's children will finally be able to do wedding planning on a Kanban board. And then I think the nerds will have finally won. So I'm doing my part.
1: Wow. Well, that is. Listen, that is quite the recommendation. And really, I congratulate all the Apple product managers and Apple developers. You won the Cote account. Like, I got to be honest with you, I didn't have it forecasted. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to come in. I never thought it would come in. So, uh, and I am adding a reminder right now that we're going to check back in about three months. In, in a year. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't, we're going to see quarter. if we can renew the Let's ELA do the quarterly check-in. We're going to do the quarterly I, check-in. Customer, just a little customer support kind of. I, I would say customer success check-in. 30 days, oh, maybe 90 days good. in to see if like uh, if there's anything we can help you along the way or so you don't stray back to your more esoteric. And, and, and the, choices. The, other,
0: the other thing is, I mean, I and I know people may know this from, you know, avid keynote watching is like, you can set a reminder that notifies you when you message someone. And so like, I, I set a reminder to like, tell Kim something when I messaged her. And sure enough, guess what, Brandon, it works. Like... <laughs> like like you message someone and a reminder pops up and it's like oh remember you wanted to tell her i you
1: know i wonder if you're going to be in one of the like one of the tim cook inspirational clips of his like videos and it's like you know like they did one now it's like uh it was all about safety this last time about like i got in a car accident and i was able to call from my phone and save it and like they're gonna go to you they'd be like and it turns out I set a reminder and send a message and it worked. And then it'll like quickly do like a (laughs) jump cut to your wife, like being like happy or something. And it'll be like, that would be fantastic. I hope we can get you on stage. That'd be fantastic. Well, regardless, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for the family. 90 days, we're going to check in and make sure that you're still happy. That sounds good. I'm looking
0: forward to it. Well, you know, if you've been listening this long, you're probably looking forward to hearing that this has been software defined talk. And if you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 378. There's a lot of news that our community has helped us put together over there in Slack that we didn't talk about, but you can find links to it so you can catch up what's going on there. We have a little Starbucks NFT action, how to do a uh, McKinsey $500,000 product. And of course, well, we didn't talk about it a lot here. There's a lot of cloud native and application development and you know Kubernetes stuff as well. You can check in on. Uh, but with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.
1: Kote's on the road, so everybody knows what that means. Uh, the travel streaming setup. How, what do we got, Cote? Take us through it today. Right, I'm,
0: I'm going to show you. I have the in-room coffee machine, <laughs> <laughs> and you can see. I'm going to move it, move the microphone. You can see the iron was unavailable, but if you you come in here, see, uh-huh. and you can use this little spout, and you can clip the uh, the lav mic on. Yeah, because now I can't log into Dropbox. I I don't. <laughs>
1: like (laughs) you really can't. Can you not see the show notes?
0: Well, I, on my laptop here, like, did I change my (laughs) password or something? (sighs) Like,
1: unfortunately we lost Kote. So that's going to be the end of today's stream.